All right, welcome back, Spirits Crusaders. My name is Craig Conover, and thank you for joining us on our podcast and YouTube channel. I am really, really excited about this lesson here today. There's some really amazing concepts we'll be talking about. But before I get started, I just wanted to say, if you've not had a chance to check out spiritscrusade.com, please head over there. We have, uh, I, I really, we try to deliver every single day some amazing content for you guys. We have multiple um, authors that write posts, and we have uh, Debbie, who's doing our Come Follow Me videos and podcast. It, it's amazing. We have other podcasters, and as we, you know, we kind of alternate um, with, the, with the podcast each month. So... We're really excited about what we are offering. If you would like to see anything else or something new, definitely let us know so that we can be able to help provide the material that you guys would love to love to see. All right, well, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into the lesson. And it's uh, titled, Prepared to Obtain Every Needful Thing. It's by Elder uh, David A. Bednar. And it is just powerful. So he starts off with a quote by, by President Nelson. He says, there is much more to come. Eat your vitamins, eat your vitamin pills, sorry. Get your rest. It's going to be exciting. And I don't know about you when I heard that. When I first heard that, it was just like, man, I mean, it was, it, it really is truly exciting as far as what's happening uh, as a church, as well as personally, you know, with us spiritually, as we are expanding, as we're growing, you know, it's the last days. And so there's, there's really a lot to be excited for. So the, the next quote that uh, Elder Bednar shares, he says, each member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has an individual responsibility to learn and live the Lord's teachings and to receive by proper authority the ordinances of salvation and exaltation. We should not expect the church as an organization to teach or tell us everything we need to know and do to become devoted disciples and endure valiantly to the end. And then again here in red, rather our personal responsibility is to learn what we should learn, to live as we know we should live, and to become who the master would have us become. And our homes are the ultimate setting for learning, living, and becoming. Now, let's just kind of, this, is, this puts together his talk in, in a nutshell. In red, again, individual responsibility to learn and live the Lord's teachings to receive proper authority, ordinances of salvation and exaltation. This is an individual journey, right? Salvation is an individual thing. And so we need to be really looking at, evaluating ourselves. How can we better come unto Christ, right? What do we need to do so that we can individually, truly, um, you know, obviously search out Christ in a more powerful way. This next quote, I love, just love this picture of Joseph Smith as he's kneeling there in, in, in the, uh, the sacred grove. But he says, he says, as he leaned up to the fireplace, his mother inquired what the matter was. Joseph replied, never mind, all is well. I am well, well enough off. 
He then said to his mother, I have learned for myself. I love that. It is so powerful. Continuing, Joseph's experience provides a powerful pattern of learning that each of us should emulate. We too need to learn for ourselves. And, and I want you to kind of really think about this. Think about learning for yourself. Looking at this picture of, of Joseph Smith, right? Where was his heart? Where's our heart? How badly do we want to communicate with our Savior, Jesus Christ, and our, our Father in heaven? Right? How badly do we want to return back to live with them? Right? We have to sacrifice. We have to put in the effort and the work, and we have to learn for ourselves. So I was talking to my sister, um, Sherry, and she, they lived in Pella, Iowa for many, many years. And their kids had, you know, all their friends were there. Well, they were moving to Arkansas. He runs, Mark runs several car lots and he always opened up a new car lot in Arkansas. And so they were moving to Arkansas. Well, Chelsea was really having a difficult time. Her friends were here. She didn't want to go to Arkansas. And she was really making it difficult. And my sister had, had the impression to, to tell her, have you learned for yourself? Have you asked the Lord if, if we are supposed to go to Arkansas? And he challenged her to, to go and, and get that answer for herself. And she did. She went and she prayed about it. And she found out for herself that they were supposed to go to Arkansas. And that, that changed. That changed her, her whole perspective, her whole outlook, you know, like an 180 degree change. She was there now helping. She was there, you know, rallying the other, the other, the other kids uh, and, and really being a great asset to, to Sherry and Mark. Well, she shared one more neat story when they got, when they got to Arkansas. And... She was, you know, talking and, and, and making friends and she was asking, let's, let's go to the street and let's go to the steak dance. Well, they're like, no, we, no people don't go to the steak dance anymore. <laughs> and anyway, she just kept at it. She kept at it. And eventually she, she persuaded them to, to go to the steak dance. Well, they ended up taking a bunch of non-members with them. Yeah, so what Cher was saying that at the steak dance, like two thirds of the, the, the people at the steak dance were non-members. And it was exciting. I mean, after, after that, they all came up to her and said that was just, that was the best experience. We should come here every single week. But it just goes to show, like when we find out for ourselves, then our, our, we have that 180 degree change, right? We, we want to, to really put in the effort, do the sacrifice, and it just, it makes all the difference in the world when we find out for ourselves. The first thing that came to my mind when I was thinking about really finding out for, for ourselves is Bruce R. McConkie's final testimony. And I was reading Joseph Philly McConkie. This is his son. And this wasn't a, I think it was at BYU or something that he shared this, this, uh, this talk, but it's titled Bruce R. McConkie's Final um, testimony. 
And I just want to touch on a couple things because I love Bruce Armacocky. I mean, he is, I mean, he's just up there in my book, right? I love him. But due to, due to my age, of course, I did not, did not remember Bruce Armacocky when he was alive. And so it was exciting to actually see, read through and, and get some more details that absolutely strengthened my testimony in Bruce R. McConkie's, Bruce R. McConkie's last testimony in his life as well. So I just want to share a couple of things. He starts off, this is Joseph Fielding McConkie, starts off talking about in April 1972, that was the conference before Bruce R. McConkie got called to be an apostle. Well, at that conference, he, uh, Joseph Fielding, had an impression that was, it says, that was born upon my mind that one of the speakers I was about to hear would identify himself as the one who would fill the next vacancy in the Quorum of the Twelve. And he said several people came up to him and shared the same, their family members and things like that, shared the same uh, feelings, and other people did too. What's interesting is at that conference talk as well is when Bruce R. McConkie first publicly read the words that he wrote to I Believe in Christ. I love that song. It is so powerful. And then after that meeting, President Harold B. Lee told Bruce R. McConkie that he had raised the spiritual level of the conference. <laughs> That's so, so awesome. So awesome. And then it's kind of neat. He says, the spirit, the special spirit that attended this talk was apparently intended to announce to many that they were hearing the voice of a prophet and to prepare others to receive him when that call came. Pretty cool. Well, the next conference, he was called to be an apostle. And I want to share what he, what he read in his, um, uh, what do they call it? Maiden? Um, yeah, Maiden Address. And it's pretty exciting because this is one of those things that when we think about having a, a perfect knowledge of Jesus Christ, we almost think that that sometimes is reserved for the, the super righteous, right? Reserved for apostles and prophets. And this right here, this is his first conference talk as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And I want, to, I want you to listen to what he says. And I'm just going to go to the bold here just for, for sake of time. You can go and read the whole thing if you like. But he's talking about his testimony of Jesus Christ. He said, this gift is elsewhere described as the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy. This is my gift. I love that. This is my gift. I know this work is true. And then I want you to pay attention to this next part. I have a perfect knowledge that Jesus is the son of the living God and that he was crucified for the sins of the world. Perfect knowledge. That's amazing. That's amazing. He goes on to talk about how in 1984, they found out he had cancer that was just all over, all over his whole system. He was given just a, a few weeks to live there were some blessings given that extended that to some 16 months. Then he said here, he said, my brothers and I were privileged to give dad a special blessing 
in which the promise and assurance was given that he would live to write every word, teach every doctrine, and bear every testimony he had been ordained in the councils of heaven to do. Isn't that amazing? Oh, it's so amazing. And then President Hinckley blessed him and simply said, I seal upon you the blessing given by your family. I think that's just, that's just so powerful. Well, then it goes on. This is, a, this is the next part here. It says, in, on April 2nd, this is talking about his mother, called and, and said that dad's blood tests came in and that they were very bad. And the doctors can do nothing for him, she said. They told me to take him home and make him com as comfortable as possible for what they said would be the last few days of his life. And they told him, you can't do the conference either because we shouldn't, because you'll pass out <laughs> In, on public TV. I thought that was kind of interesting. But here's what, here's what she said. She said, nevertheless, your father wants to give that talk. It means more to him than anything he has done in this life. I don't know. That's so powerful, right? More means more to him than anything he has done in this life. It's just, it just really adds so much to the testimony. And now what I wanna do is I want to play, this is on YouTube, it is a rendition of where the Bruce McConkie's his testimony, and then it has a, a I believe in Christ uh, kind of mixed together, and it's just really really powerful. So I'm going to go ahead and play this um, for you. If there had been no fall of Adam by which cometh death, there could have been no atonement of Christ by which cometh life. And now as pertaining to this perfect atonement, wrought by the shedding of the blood of God, I testify that it took place in Gethsemane and at Golgotha. And as pertaining to Jesus Christ, I testify that he is the Son of the living God, who was crucified for the sins of the world. He is our Lord, our God, and our King. This I know of myself, independent of any other person. I am one of his witnesses, and in the coming day I shall feel the nail marks in his hands and in his feet and shall wet his feet with my tears. But I shall not know any better then than I know now that he is God's almighty Son, that he is our Savior and Redeemer, and that salvation comes in and through his atoning blood and in no other way. God grant that all of us may walk in the light as God our Father is in the light, so that according to the promises, the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, will cleanse us from all sin. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. think about his last testimony and here I've gotten, I'm going to read in red here what he says again. And I want you to think about this. The question I want you to answer for yourself is how can you personally gain and have this testimony of the love of the Savior of the world? How can you personally have this testimony? This I know of myself, independent of any other person. I am one of his witnesses, and in a coming day, I shall feel the nail marks in his hands and in his feet, and shall wet his feet with my tears. But I shall not know any better then than I know now that he is God's almighty son, that he is our savior and redeemer, and that salvation comes in and through his atoning blood and in no other way. I love that. I just, for me, this is one of those testimonies that I can listen to over and over and over again. I get emotional almost every time. Thinking about just, I mean, think about it. He would not know any better then 
than he knows now. How can we gain that testimony? Right? How can we gain that testimony the same as Bruce R. McConkie did? Interestingly, he, uh, another quote that uh, Bruce R. McConkie uh, shared, Elder Bruce R. McConkie, he said, all of the elders in the kingdom are expected to live the law as strictly as do the members of the council of the 12. And if they, so, if they do so live, the same blessings will come to them that flow to apostles and prophets. And I wish I would have captured the other, this other quote, but in the same, same talk, he also just says that apostles and prophets, they simply set an example of what you could receive. I thought that was pretty neat. And then if this, if this quote's not enough, I want you really to pay attention to this next quote. Again, Elder Bruce R. McConkie. And, and he's speaking to the elders, but this, this means everybody. He's to, really, everyone has the same privilege. Every elder is entitled and expected to seek and obtain all the spiritual blessings of the gospel. Now, Keep that in mind, really. They're entitled and expected to seek, right? It's not just something that, that oh yeah, you could go after this. No, it's like we're expected to seek after this, right? So expected to seek and obtain all the spiritual blessings of the gospel, including the crowning blessing of seeing the Lord face to face. expected. Ponder that for a moment. We are expected to seek and obtain all the spiritual blessings and to see the Savior of the Lord face to face. I don't know about you, but I, I, that, make, that gets me excited. That gets me excited to really up my game, raise the bar, right, <laughs> in my own life. And as I thought about this, I thought about uh, Jacob, and this is 2 Nephi 11.3. It says in, in bold here, And my brother Jacob also has seen him as I have seen him. It's just, and then he goes on to say that Isaiah has two, and that's three witnesses, right? But it's just, it's just one of those things that, I just get excited thinking about and learning about the possibilities for me. We have to have that belief, right? The belief that, that we can come to that level of righteousness, right? Elder David Arbetnar says, says this is the next quote. He says, the, over, no, the ar yeah, overarching purpose of Heavenly Father's plan is for his children to become more like him. Accordingly, he provides us with essential opportunities to grow and progress. Our commitment to learn and live according to truth is increasingly important in a world that is in commotion and is ever more confused and wicked. Then here in red, I want you to pay attention to this. We cannot expect simply to attend church meetings and participate in programs and thereby receive all of the spiritual edification and protection that will enable us to withstand in the evil day, right? We must, we must have that rock-solid foundation and testimony 
within burning within our own souls. Right? It's that we have to have it. We have to. He talks about next, he talks about Nephi, and we, we talked about this actually with my, my last lesson, but it's so important, worth worth mentioning again. Nephi desired to see and hear and know for himself by the power of the Holy Ghost the things his father had learned in the vision of the in the vision of Tree of Life. He clearly needed and was blessed in his youth by example by the example of, and teachings of his goodly parents. Yet, just like Joseph Smith, he yearned to learn and know for himself. Another example, right? Another example that we can pattern our lives after. Elder Benar says, next quote, he says, If all you or I know about Jesus Christ and his restored gospel is what other people teach or tell us, then the foundation of our testimony of him and his glorious latter-day work is built upon sand. And then here, and in, in highlighted this, we cannot rely exclusively upon or borrow gospel light and knowledge from other people, even those whom we love and trust. So, interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love Star Wars. Don't get me wrong. I love Star Wars, but I, I don't. I don't watch it and keep up with it. And so, I, I shared in, in when I was teaching the elders. I shared how I was at my uh, brother's house. His daughter was having a birthday party, and they were watching. They said the the newest, the new Star Wars. And so I just kind of went went with that. I wasn't really paying too much attention to it. But and apparently, it was three Star Wars ago. <laughs> So, <laughs> but, but anyway, so the, the analogy that I, I pulled from that as I was over there is at some point, the guy that, that left the dark side and, was, and, and was, uh, went and helped the, the resistance, I guess, he landed on a, on a planet, was full of sand. And he was trying to get some things out of his ship or something like that when, when the, the sand just like, boom, like just ate the ship, you know, just... Just ate it. Like it was crazy. I was like, "Wow, that's 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 awesome," because it, it was. I just thought about this quote as I was preparing my lesson. I thought about this that we cannot build our testimony upon sand, where a sand monster can come and and de de demolish or whatever our testimony. We have to build it on a rock solid foundation, and that happens personally and individually. That next, Elder Bednar, he quotes Joseph Smith. He says, uh, significantly, the prophet Joseph Smith taught that each Latter-day Saint needs to understand for himself or herself the designs and purposes of God in our coming into this world, to the world. So powerful. And then coupled with this next quote by Joseph Smith as well, could we read and comprehend all that has been written from the days of Adam on the relation of man to God and angels in a future state? We should know very little about it. Reading, and here's the key, reading the experience of others or the revelation given to them can never give us a comprehensive view of our condition and true relation to God. And then in, in red right here, knowledge of these things can 
only be obtained by experience through the ordinances of God set forth for that purpose. Right? We have to experience them personally. This next section you just talked about, that, that's why the Come Follow Me program was, was put together, right? For that specific purpose. So that families, individuals and families, can really um, seek after these, these, these accomplish these grand spiritual objective, I guess is the best way for us to learn for ourselves and have build that rock solid testimony. Then Elder Bednar talks about some of the areas that are becoming more home-centered and church-supported. And I love this first one. The ultimate missionary training center is in our homes. Think about that. What does that, what, what does that mean for you, for me? What does that mean for, for our, our, our homes, right? We have to have our homes as the ultimate missionary training center. I mean, what needs to change? What needs, what needs to shift in your home to make your home the ultimate missionary training center? Interesting, something to really think about. Something to think about. He also talked about our, our most instructive Sunday school classes should be our individual and family study in our places of residence. I don't know about you, but come follow me is inspired. I mean, I absolutely love Come Follow Me every week, every week. It's so powerful to, to be able to teach my kids. You know, we divide up. So, you know, we, we have 10 kids. For those who don't know, don't know that, nine girls and, and a crazy wild man. But we, so we divide up the older and the younger. And me and my wife alternate. But it's, it's an exciting experience, whether it's the older or the younger. When it's the older, it's exciting to kind of really go a little bit deeper, you know, and see their, their, the light in their eyes just, just, you know, when they understand the, the gospel truths that are, that are being shared to them. And then the, the little kids, I mean, they just, they have a, a little fire. <laughs> you know, they, it's, it's fun to be able to kind of get that, that change. But I'll tell you right now, it is, it is amazing. I am, it is inspired in every, every form and every way. And I'm so glad that we have this, this change in the church, really to give the, the whole church a new focus on teaching their children. And so I think that's awesome. Then it says Family History Center now is in our homes. And that's, that's an area I need to improve upon. You know, um, we, my, minister came over and brought a gift to my daughter who is 12 and just turned turning 13 anyway and but he said you know have you taken names of the temple and and sadly we have not she's not taken a name to the temple she's gone to the temple like every week almost you know she doesn't miss very many weeks but yet we've not helped her get a name so that's an area that we need to improve upon then this, the, the, the last point he makes is that the vital temple preparation class occurs in our homes. Okay, We have to prepare our children for the temple and get them excited about the temple. I mean, really, that is the crowning, uh, the crowning ordinances of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? They should be excited about what they are going to be able to explore and the possibilities that open up to them in the temple. So... And then I love Elder Bednar's uh, next quote. He says, making our homes sanctuaries. 
wherein we can stand in holy places is essential in these latter days. And as important as home-centered and church-supported learning is for our spiritual strength and protection today, it will be even more vital in the future. Even more vital in the future. So we better get our act together, right? <laughs> we really need to get our act together so that we can be, be prepared and have our families prepared. Uh, Ezra Taft Benson said something that's pretty, pretty interesting talking about uh, temple and the sacredness of it. And he says, as and this in, in bold right here, as a consequence of, of not talking about the temple because of sacredness, many do not develop a real desire to go to the temple. Or when they go there, they do so without much background to prepare them for the obligations and covenants they enter into. I believe a proper understanding or background will Im immeasurably help prepare our youth for the temple and will foster within them a desire to seek their priesthood blessings just as Abraham sought his. That's, that's an interesting thing, an interesting topic to study is Abraham and how he sought after his, his priesthood blessings gives us a pattern for us to really follow. He then shares two guidelines that um, actually were emphasized by President Benson. Guideline number one, because we love the Lord, we always should speak about his holy house with reverence. We should not disclose or describe the special symbols associated with the covenants we receive in sacred temple ceremonies. Neither should we discuss the holy information that we specifically promised in the temple not to reveal. Guideline number two, the temple is the house of the Lord. Everything in the temple points us to the Savior, to our Savior Jesus Christ. We must discuss the basic purposes of and the doctrines and principles associated with temple ordinances and covenants. I thought that was very instructive to have those kind of two guidelines for ourselves. Then President Howard W. Hunter says this, let us share with our children the spiritual feelings we have in the temple and let us teach them more earnestly and more comfortably the things we can appropriately say about the purposes of the house of the Lord. I think that the underlining thing here for the temple is our excitement. Our kids, our children need to see and feel our excitement for the temple and the sacredness of course as well but they need to feel that excitement and we need to share that with them we need to talk to them about the temple of course around the guidelines but again to get them excited about their their blessings because that's really what the temple is all about is the, the the blessings that can be received there so then it goes on to talk about a, a reservoir of resources that we have available to us i'm just going to skip the next one here this is uh, Russell M. Nelson. This is, this is pretty instructive. He says, I recommend that members read entries in the Bible dictionary that are related to the temple, such as anoint, covenant, sacrifices, and temple. One may also wish to read Exodus chapters 26 through 29 and Leviticus chapter 8. The Old Testament, as well as the books of Moses and Abraham in the Pearl of, in the Pearl of Great Price, underscores the antiquity of temple work 
and the enduring nature of its ordinances. So we have a little bit of, of, a, of a list to go and, and study with our children. I thought that was neat. Next, Benar says this, as we strive to walk in the meekness of the Lord's Spirit, we will be blessed to understand and achieve in our homes the necessary balance between what is and what is not appropriate to discuss about sacred temple ordinances and covenants. That's, that's the key, right? Follow the Spirit. Follow what the Spirit guides and directs, and you can't go amiss. And lastly, here's what he says. He says, can we do this? He says, yes, you can do this. I promise that enabling blessings will flow into and be evident in your life. Doors will open, the light will shine, your capacity will be increased to persevere diligently and patiently. I thought that was really, really awesome. You know, just a kind of a good way to, to really end, end his, uh, his talk. But I mean, really, I mean, let's just to kind of review the, the exciting things about this lesson is really finding out for ourselves. That's, that's the underlining part of this entire message is finding out for ourselves, Gaining that rock solid testimony that Jesus is the Christ, right? Gaining that same testimony that Bruce R. McConkie has. We can do it. We have to believe that we can do it. We have to have the faith that, that to pull that, that, that down, if you will. But we can do it. And we're going to do it, right? And I, I'm just I, I'm so excited for, for the possibilities of, of what this lesson has really opened up to my, my mind and hopefully has given you some things to really think about and to take action on, right? What can you do? What can you change? How can you make a shift today to seek after your savior, to really truly build a relationship with your, with, with your savior and with your father in heaven. Get on your knees, pray more intensely, pray more diligently, spend more time. Show the Lord that, that it's important to you to build that relationship with him. And he will be merciful and he will pour his spirit out upon you. And I, I really testify of these things. And I say these things in the name of our Savior, even Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.